0: Before you're seated, please turn around, Let look left, look right, wave, tell everybody hello, make everybody feel very welcome this morning. We are all glad that you are all here this morning. After that, you may be seated. We have uh, special music now by Miss Ann Stone, and looking forward to hearing her sing. i trying to get my stuff out of your way. There you go. Beautiful song, Miss Sam. We thank you for that. Amen. If uh, you uh, all would join me in a word of prayer, we'll go to the Lord and ask His blessings and thank Him for His blessings so far. Dearest Father in heaven, we, we love you because you first loved us. We thank you, Lord, for that great love, for your mercy, and for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your goodness. We Praise you and thank you for your wholeness and all that you are for the creator, for the heavens and the earth and all things therein, the only true and living God. We praise you that you are that, Lord. There is none other like unto thee. And Lord, we ask you to, Lord, meet with us this morning and and just uh, help us to sing and uh, praise you for your honor and your glory in song this morning we we thank you for all you've done so far we we thank you for our pastor we lift him up to you and ask the lord you'd strengthen him and bless him in his message that uh, you've given him lord to to preach this morning we pray lord that you'd just fill him with your spirit and uh, lord use him as your mouthpiece and give him boldness and liberty and clarity of thought and speech that he might proclaim the great truths of your word lord lord help us to be attentive and listen and go beyond that and obey your word this morning and uh, we'll be faithful to give you the praise and honor and glory for all this accomplished here today in jesus name we pray amen okay we got uh, one more song here hymn number five ninety seven five ninety seven you have to take a deep breath on this one because we're going to do all six of them verses. So get you a good breath there. Take my life and let it be. Sanctify yourselves and be holy, for I am holy. saith the Lord, Leviticus 11:44. 44.
1: And, thank you. and now let's give it, pastor a
0: nice hand. Come and preach God's word. He deserves it. Honor. Pastor Joe. Well
2: good morning again. Take your Bible and tour with me to Matthew chapter 11 this morning. Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter 11 this morning, verses 28 to 30. Very familiar portion of Scripture. I believe one that is needed. One that the Lord gave to me in a struggle this week. If, if it's okay with, with y'all, you, I, I hope you want an honest pastor. Alright, well for the two of you that do... <laughs> I'll tell the two of y'all this. It's been, it's been a wrestling week. But God has, has given me this Scripture for my own heart. And I pray He does so for, for your heart today. Verse number 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let us pray. God, we come to you this morning, grateful for the worship, grateful for the songs that have been sung this morning, Lord, for the truths that are found in it. God, I pray that now our hearts would be turned to you and opened to your word, and God, that through the power of Your Word, the power of Your Spirit, God, that we would be molded, shaped, and changed. God, that You would meet the need of every heart today. God, if there's one today who is lost and undone, who does not know You, God, I pray that today, now, You would beckon them to come unto You. And God, that they would do so by faith, and that they would be saved. Lord, if there's a a soul, God, today, who is struggling, Lord, that You would encourage them. God, that You would strengthen them. God, that You would meet the need of every heart today. Lord, I pray and believe, God, that, that You are able to do great and mighty things, and I pray that You would do so. Lord, clear my heart and my mind. Lord, give us, give me, Lord, this morning what is needed. Lord, we thank you for this time. We give it to you now in Christ's name. Amen. When I was a kid, probably much like you, there were many phrases that your parents said to you. One of the ones that I got an awful lot was, we gonna have us to come to Jesus meeting. Did anybody ever get that one? Okay, a couple of y'all. The rest of y'all are liars. You did too, right? Or, or the... the, the 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 offer for that come to Jesus meeting didn't even happen. The come to Jesus meeting just happened with a quick one of those, right? You knew the, the invitation to that that party had just been uh, been given. When I think about come to Jesus meeting, it, it came. It always normally came at times when I was disobedient, normally so. And I knew I knew how that meeting was going to come. And normally that meeting was never with Jesus. It was always with my mom or my dad. And I always wondered where Jesus was. <laughs> And there was normally a mouth washing out with soap until the soap started tasting okay. Mom quit that. There was normally a, a whooping until the whooping stopped hurting and, and then I had to fake it. And that's a different story. I don't want to wrap myself out too bad this morning. But come-to-Jesus meeting. The Scripture is full of countless people who had these come-to-Jesus meetings. And their lives were changed. And it wasn't just when they were doing something bad that they needed to come to Jesus for correcting. But I want you to know today that there's not a soul in this room today that does not need to come to Jesus' meeting right now. Not just to come to Jesus' meeting to to get corrected or to to get your hand popped, right? Or or maybe to get your mouth washed out with soap, spiritually speaking. But to come to Jesus' meeting where we would simply just come to Jesus and not receive the judgment, the chastening that we often think that we need to come to Jesus for, but to come to Jesus for rest. I want you to know as we talked about in quite the depth this past month about the holiness of God, as we said over and over again, the holiness of God is not there to bring about our hurt, but rather to bring about our healing. Jesus is not just so holy that He is so high and separated from anything and anyone that is unholy and unrighteous, but yet He is near and dear to those who will humbly come unto Him. And what He tells us is that we will find rest for our souls And I'm looking at a bunch of people who probably need rest for their souls. And I want you to know that you bunch of people are looking at a pastor who does the same. Is in the same exact need as you are. And I think we should be able to be honest with ourselves and with each other about the same. You know, a come to Jesus meeting is not just a revival meeting. However, it does bring revival, as it should. There's not a day that goes by that you and I probably don't need that come to Jesus meeting where... Either one, it is the chastening or or the the rebuke of the Lord through His Word, through His Spirit. But there's also not a day that goes by that we don't need that come to Jesus meeting for our own healing, for our own heart's sake. Today, we're going to see in this passage, it's very familiar for all of us, the saving, sanctifying, and satisfying rest that comes from coming to Jesus. First of all, in the context of this passage, just to help us out a little bit, it, it comes at the end of chapter 11. You say, well, I knew that. Well, here's what's taking place. There's been a tribute being given to John the Baptist, but at the end of that tribute to John the Baptist, Jesus is comparing himself and showing you all hated John the Baptist because he was so hard-lined and hard-nosed. I mean, he, he preached, I mean, hellfire brimstone and you were baptized, by, you either were baptized of Him in, in preparing what, what He was doing, or you hated His guts. He says, and then in verse uh, in chapter 11, verse 17, it's saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and saying, Behold, a man gluttonous, and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. There's something very key in this verse, verse number 19. Jesus says, You accuse John the Baptist of having a devil because of the way he preached, and I come and I'm a friend to sinners. And you say, I'm, I'm, I'm a wine-bibber. That's another way of a drunk glutton. You say something because of the company that I've kept and the people that I've impacted and healed and have and, and ministered to, that I'm one of them. I want you to know, Jesus is no sinner. but He is not a friend of sin, but He is a friend of sinners. To all and to every sinner who would come to Him, they will find rest for their soul. But then the tide turns. In verse 20, Then began He to upbraid the cities wherein most of His mighty works were done, because they repented not. They have another come to Jesus meeting there. And their come to Jesus meeting is one where He It says, Woe unto thee! Because of all these mighty works that Jesus had done in their cities, all the healing that He had done, all the preaching that He had done, and yet they saw Him not, they believed Him not. It says, They repented not. John the Baptist preached repentance, but so did Jesus. There's many folks today who would say that Jesus only preaches the come unto me. He does so, but the way that we come unto Him is through repentance and faith. There is no other way that you can come to Christ outside of repenting of your sin and trusting in Him. It is repentance and faith, so has it always been, so shall it ever be. And then it says in verse 25, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent And that's revealed them unto babes. You see, the Pharisees had all the Scripture. They had everything memorized. They had the walk and the talk and everything else in between. But what they did not have is that come to Jesus, meaning where they had ever come in repentance and faith. They had come to Jesus with accusations. They had come to Jesus with their traditions and what they felt to be true, what they felt to be right. They came to Him to trip Him up, never for repentance, never for forgiveness, never for restoration, because they believed in their own self-righteous hearts that they were okay. I want you to know that come to Jesus' meeting for that soul today is still offered. There is many a self-righteous soul who believes that they are on their way to heaven because, well, they're good enough, or I've gone to church enough, or maybe Jesus will just overlook my bad and He'll see all my good. I want you to know He sees your good, and it is nothing. It is nothing but filth. It is nothing but a a pile of dirty rags. So you say, where's the come unto me part? It's there. You see, right now there's many today who labor and are heavy laden with their own religion, with their own good works, with their own uh, attempts to to make God happy, with their own uh, attempts to fill the void in their life with sin, with things that they know are wrong that they continue to go to to fill themselves up, but it leaves them empty. You see, God has revealed this unto babes, to those who would come by faith. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. No man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. And I want you to know, if you want to know the Father, if you want to know your way to heaven, if you want to know you have forgiveness, it will not be found... In religion, it will not be found in joining a church. It will not be found in a bottle or in a pipe. It will not be found in in good works. It will not be found in anything that you can possibly find and put your hands upon. It will be found only in verse 28. As Jesus says, come unto me. Verse number one shows us the saving part of this come to Jesus meeting. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. This phrase, come unto me, it is not just an invitation for all, as we see all ye. That means, and I'll put it in Carroll County terms, all y'all. That's what that means. Come unto me, all y'all. Everybody. He leaves none out. He doesn't say, all you who are righteous, all you who do good works, all you who look the part, act the part, speak the part, all you who have done what is, is, is you would think is right, I want you guys to come. I want y'all to be on my team. You, no, no. Jesus says, come unto me all ye. And he doesn't say all those that are strong, all those that can do so on their own. He says those that labor and are heavy laden. But this is not just an invitation. The phrase come unto me is a command. I want you to know when we are, when we are faced with the Gospel, when we are faced with the fact that you and I are born dead in our sins and trespasses, that we are going to die and face God as judge, and that if we have never repented and trusted Christ alone for our salvation, we will face a real and eternal hell. But The gospel is this, that those who put their trust in Jesus, that He has came, He has died on the cross for our sins, He who knew no sin became sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, that, that He would die in our place, in our stead, for our sins, and even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because He has loved us. He desires friendship with us. And in our sin, we are at enmity with Him. That means we are at war with Him. We are against Him. And He desires that His enemy would come unto Him and be able to sit at the same table with Him. To sup with Him. To fellowship with Him. To know Him. And to find rest. It's a command. When we see that the Gospel is there, we find the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ There is no option. There is nothing that you can do. You cannot talk your way out of this. You cannot skirt your way around it. You cannot try to justify your life or your sin or your own good works. The only thing that you can do is to heed the command to come to Christ. Today, dear sinner friend, come to Christ. There is nothing that will make you so dirty that He cannot clean you up. There is nowhere that you have gone that is so far from God that He cannot bring you out of. There is nothing that you can ever do that can keep you from coming unto Him by faith and finding rest for your soul. But as well to those who know Christ, you and I will labor and labor and will be so heavy laden by our own attempts to, to just keep going forward, to try to make God love us more, to try to make religion work or to try to make our spiritual walk better and better, and we'll try all of our might and with everything that we've got. And I want you to know, you are miserable for it and so am I. Jesus did not die to keep us bound up to religion or to sin. But rather, he died to set us free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we are found set free. We are found saved when we come unto Him. But those that labor and are heavy laden reminds us of a couple of things. Later on in Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23, Jesus is about to drop some heavy bombs on the Pharisees. He don't pull no punches. Chapter 23, verse number 1 says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they they, they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. You want to know what your religious works will do? You want to know what your good works will do? It will continue to heap a a laborious life and a heavy burden upon your back, like a beast of burden that you can no longer carry, that you can no longer handle, that you cannot continue to press forward in life. And by the way, with that heavy burden, with that being so heavy laden with sin and with religion and with all of these things, you cannot cannot get to heaven with such a weight. Jesus does not require you to even carry such a weight. He says, come to Me, because He has taken that weight. He has taken every sin. He has taken every sorrow. He has taken everything that has ever been against you. And He has nailed it to His cross. And it's crucified with Him. And us with Him. Nevertheless, we live through Christ who, who loved us and gave Himself for us. Furthermore, we see in Hebrews 12, wherefore, in verse one, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I've never seen a race runner run with a weight on their back. As a matter of fact, they don't do that. They take off everything possible that they could possibly take off to keep them light and agile and to run their race. They want no extra weight on them. Sadly though, there are some in this church, in this room this morning, who believe that they are becoming more sanctified because they keep this weight on themselves that does not need to belong to them. They are carrying a weight and you are carrying a weight and I carry a weight that we put on ourselves of expectation of of all these rules and traditions and things of men that that Christ said He would rid us of, that He would free us from. Maybe it is sin. Maybe it is sin of the world. Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's your good works. Maybe it's your traditions. Maybe it's your, your religion. Maybe it's your thoughts, your beliefs. There is something today that just might be keeping you from pressing forward that makes you labor You see, labor with the Lord does not make us heavy laden. When we labor with the Lord, we actually find rest. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. This is a promise. If you come to Christ by faith, whether for your salvation or because of your salvation, you can and will find rest. You cannot find rest in anything that this world gives or promises. You cannot find rest in your good works. You cannot find rest in your religion. But you can and only can find rest for your soul in Jesus. That's it. There's not rest in anything else or anyone else. Rest in Christ. See, most of us are so used to and so desiring to stay on the move and to stay on the go and to work, 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 work because we somehow, either one, think we can work our way to heaven, or we think because Jesus has saved us, that now we've got to work ourselves to death. I want you to know, we're not called to work ourselves to death. The greatest work that you and I are ever called to do for Christ is to rest in Him. And I'm afraid that so many of us want to work so badly for Jesus to either prove ourselves Or maybe it is to give Him glory that we forget that the greatest thing that you and I are called to do is to come to Jesus and to find rest for our souls. We come by faith alone for our salvation, but we continue to come by faith alone for everything else in our life. We must continue to come trusting Jesus, trusting Jesus, trusting Jesus. And here in just a moment, we're going to see why we can Verse number 2, the first portion, we're going to find now the sanctifying process of this come-to-Jesus meeting. Not only is it saving, but it's sanctifying. It doesn't just save us and then transport us up to heaven, but it, it saves us and then continues to do this great work in our life. There's not a soul who has been saved who does not need to continuously come to Christ. There is not a soul who has ever followed Jesus who does not need Him every hour, every moment. There is not one saved soul in this room today that is so spiritual that they don't need to humble themselves and come to Christ. Now, this does not mean that you need to continue to get saved, but rather this means that because you are saved that you continue to now to come to Jesus for everything. It's time that most of our hearts and souls that labor so vigorously and that our backs and our minds and our hearts that become so heavy laden with sin or guilt or pressure or expectation that we would come and find rest at Jesus' feet. Verse 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. Yoke is something that Very few of us know in our modern day and age. The closest thing to a yoke we got now, a yoke of oxen, is not called the yoke of oxen anymore, it's called John Deere, right? (laughs) Praise God for that. If you I'm sure there's many of you who would like to go back in time, some, but you probably like to take your tractors and your power tools with you. Now I'm not good I've never driven a tractor and I'm not good at power tools, so I'd let you have at it. (laughs) Nevertheless, what we see here the yoke it is that that would bind two animals together to accomplish the work that maybe one could do, but it would make the work a whole lot easier for two to do it. A yoke would be as well used to put them together to keep in line, to keep from wandering, to as well to learn from each other. You might yoke a younger and experienced work animal with one that is a little older, a little wiser, and a little more trained to learn from, to, to keep in line. And as well, you see that One horse can do a lot. Two horses separate can only do what one horse apiece can do. But two horses together can do more than two can separate. To be yoked together, he says, take my yoke upon you. It is as if Jesus is walking beside you today, dear sinner, dear saint, and is putting his arm over your shoulder and saying, let's move. It is now that we're in a three-legged race with Christ, and He's going to lead the way. And we're not going to trip over, our, uh, over anything because we're, we're with the Lord. We're yoked up to Him. It implies both work and action, but not on our own anymore. But to be yoked to Christ means that now we are cooperating with His Word, His will, and His work. That we follow Him where He goes. We do as He says. We do what He pleases. Because our life ceases to be our own. It is about Christ and Christ alone. To be yoked to Jesus as well means this, that it takes the burden off. There is a burden when you yoke yourself up to religion. There is a burden when you yoke yourself up to sin. There is a burden when you yoke yourself up to expectation or to picking yourself up from your own bootstraps and trying really hard. But the burden becomes light when we are yoked to Jesus. The same one who yokes us up to himself is the same one who by himself walked the lonely road to Calvary to save you from your sins, to save you from your burdens, to save you from having to carry around this heavy weight. And it's not just that of forgiveness of sins and salvation, but it is that of every weight that you carry, dear believer, today in your heart and your mind. Most of us up here are not going to be near enough honest with each other, let alone with God, and say we're struggling. It's a prideful thing to say, ah, oh, I'm good. It's a humbling thing to say I'm not good. And it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay not okay. When we have the option to come to Christ and to receive the help for our soul. And notice though that this is a A call and a command. We can either respond and do so and receive the help that we need from Jesus or we can keep on trying it ourselves. I find that in my life and in my ministry, the time when I'm the most miserable, the time when I'm struggling the most is when I'm struggling the hardest. I'm going against Jesus. I'm not resting in Him. I'm not trusting in Him. I'm going at it on my own. I'm yoked up to my own hard-headedness. I'm yoked up to my own strength. yoked up to my own abilities And I'm not just yoked up to Jesus. We can yoke ourselves up to Christ and trust that it will bring us rest and that we can learn of Him because He says, I am meek and lowly in heart. Jesus, God in the flesh, so meek, so lowly that He would lay aside for a moment in in the eyes of eternity the glories of heaven to come to this world of which He had created, of which His own people had despised and rejected Him. Which those same people would re- refuse to repent, as he said in verse 20. Repent not. His <clears throat> gentle, his meek, and lowly Jesus would come. And as those would pull out his beard and smite him and spit upon him and beat him with their fists, with a rod, he would not open up his mouth but yet with that same mouth, with one word, they could all be crushed, they could all be sent away, the pain could all be over. No, but instead, Christ continued to be the suffering, silent servant of God to suffer for your sins and my sins. He would do so all the way to Calvary. Meek and lowly, He would be high and lifted up upon a cross, not to be glorified upon that cross, by any man that was standing there, but rather for them all to wag their heads and tongues at Him, to mock and to ridicule Him. But He did so so that all those who would humble themselves and come to Him would find rest and salvation, and as well, not just our salvation, but our sanctifying process, that it would be through continuously going to Jesus who is meek. He's not going to come to you and just say, Nope enough's enough, I'm going to whack you on the head every time you come to me, I'm just going to whack you on the head and that every come to Jesus meeting would just be a whack on the head. But rather, we need the come to Jesus meeting that finds rest for our weary hearts and souls. He says, and ye shall find rest into your souls for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The come to Jesus meeting that we need today is not just saving and sanctifying, but it's satisfying. There is nothing that can satisfy like Jesus. You'll never find satisfaction in a bottle, in a pipe. You won't find it in porn. You won't find it in pride. You won't find it in in having the nicest bass boat. You won't find it in having the biggest house. You won't find satisfaction in having the best job, the best money, and the prettiest wife. You won't find it in the American dream. You won't find it in any other dream that you got. You will never find satisfaction in anything that you can put your hands on in this world. You will never find true satisfaction that stays and keeps you satisfied. But where can we find satisfaction? We will find it when we come to Jesus and we drink of the living water. That is this eternal well, this well that never runs dry. That is found in the Word and and, and the presence of Jesus. That we can find satisfaction and being yoked up to Christ. So satisfying that it says, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. I, I believe today, and if I'm wrong, then that's okay. But I believe today that there are countless people probably in this room that for a long time have ceased to come to Jesus. So sure, you came to Jesus for salvation, but when's the last time you had that come to Jesus meeting? Not for your correction, but rather for your rest. For your weary soul. I'm looking at countless soldiers of the cross who continue to march on with heavy burdens on their back, thinking that they're becoming more sanctified by beating themselves up and beating themselves down. You cannot bring such sanctification by beating yourself into submission, but rather by yoking yourself up to Jesus. and Let Him take that burden. What we often do is this. Is we have a burden, we have a sin, we have a problem, we have an issue, and we go and we say, Lord, would you take this away? And He doesn't take it away immediately. And we say, well, I prayed about it and God just don't hear me. I must be being punished. I must be under judgment. I want you to know that's hogwash. He doesn't just say come to be saved and then come one time in prayer and then expect it all to go away, but no, rather He says even in the middle of your sorrow, in the middle of your sin, in the middle of all that you are and the mess that we are, He says, yoke yourself up to Me. Let Me take the burden. Learn from Me. To be, mo- to be meek and, and gentle lowly in, in heart. To be humble. And we then will find rest but we won't find it anywhere or anywhere else. He says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Being a believer in Jesus should not be a burden. Coming to church should not be a burden. Opening up our Bibles should not be a burden. Going to God in prayer should not be a burden. When it is a burden, it's because we are either doing it on our own strength our own power or we have believed the lies of the enemy. Rather, we don't find a burden when we come to Jesus. What we find is that our burdens are lifted. It's been a while. We might have sung the song fairly. I don't remember. The burdens are lifted at Calvary. Today, what we need before we have revival meetings, before we have more Bible studies, before we have programs, before we have all these things that we want to, to make happen, is what we need to do is to simply have a come to Jesus meeting and not one where we go, God, I'm just so awful. I'm just so terrible. There's no way Jesus will even hear me. There's no point in even going forward. I'm just going to keep on doing it and try to stay under the radar. No, rather come to Jesus with all of your sin. And I'm talking about all of your sin. He can handle it. Come to Jesus with all of your burden. Today, I'm looking at folks with burdens. You're looking at pastors with burdens. But everyone before me and my own self today, not one of us has a single burden that is so big, so heavy, that Christ cannot take it. Not one of us today has a burden or a sin so dark so scary, so large that Christ cannot handle it. However, each one of us do have a many sin and many burdens that are far too heavy and far too grievous for us to keep carrying around. Today's the time, instead of trying to keep picking these things up and to move along through our Christian life and just barely getting by, we find real victory. We find real rest for our souls at coming to Jesus and saying, here you go. All the sin, all the mess that I am, Christ will not cast you out, but rather He says, come to Me. I'll give you rest because you can't find it yourself. I'm tired of living a Christian life where I try to find rest and working and working and working myself to death. I'm tired of trying to find rest in the things of this world and thinking that it will satisfy me. The world is temporary. We're just pilgrims passing through and there's nothing that can satisfy. I'm tired of drinking stagnant, earthly water that leaves me thirsting for more. I need a sip. of The living water. I need to take my burden and to lay it down. I need to stop working so hard on my own strength as I labor and become so heavy laden that I go, "I God, I can't go anymore. Anyone ever else felt like that this week? Jesus comes alongside of us not just to correct us and to say, you're doing too much, you're doing in your own strength, quit it, cut it out, you old heathen. No. This meek, lowly Jesus says, Come to Me, and I'll give you rest. He says, For My yoke is easy. The yoke of the Pharisees of that day was not easy, nor was it light. It was burdensome. It was one that no one else could ever measure up to, even them own selves. But yet they were self-deceived nor is this the yoke that the world will lay on us. Heavy, full of sin and despair. But His yoke is easy. and His burden is light. Today, my prayer for you, for me, every believer in this room today is that we would come to Jesus again. Afresh and anew and not only see Him as the One who is high and lifted up upon His throne, but the One who is meek and lowly. The One who is a friend of sinners. The One who loves us in our sin, but loves us enough in our sin to relieve us of the bondage of that sin, to give us rest for our weary souls that have toiled and toiled and labored and labored. Religion says work. Christ says come and rest. Yet many of us good, Bible-believing Baptists say I've got to do more, I've got to do more, I've got to do more, I've got to do more just for God to love me more, which He won't ever do, by the way. He won't love you more, He won't love you less. What will happen is we will keep putting on burdens on ourselves that don't even belong, that shouldn't even be there. We will make our Christian walk a burden We'll make church a burden. We'll make everything that is supposed to be light and easy so heavy and so burdensome that we burn out. or That we collapse under the weight and the pressure. Jesus took all the weight and the pressure and the affliction there on the cross. The very wrath of God poured out upon Jesus the Son. So that you and I would not face the heavy burden of God's wrath or God's judgment. Rather, that you and I would be able to come to Christ and live and find rest for our souls. Today, as we bring this to a close, and I know today's a little different. Maybe different's what we need. Maybe different is exactly what we need. To simply just come and rest, to find rest for our souls at the feet of Jesus. Today, if you don't know Jesus, if you're carrying a heavy weight and a burden of sin, and you say, I don't know I can be saved, I don't know God will love me, I don't know God can save me, I want you to know He can. Notice in that passage, He says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He says, you'll find rest. And for the first time in your life, you can find rest in Jesus. Rest from this world, rest from your sin, rest from your own heart, rest from the burdens of which you carry and place upon your own self. You can be born again, saved, not by your works and not by you doing anything except for turning from your sin and saying yes to Christ through faith. But to you, dear saint of God, who's been carrying a big old weight, Maybe it's been that pet sin that you've struggled with year after year, day after day. Maybe it's just the burden of trying to to just be better, to do better, to do this, to do that, to work more, to work more, to work more. I want you to know, if salvation is free, which it is by grace through faith, your sanctification is still yet by grace through faith. God is not only gracious to save you, He's gracious in your sanctifying process. And it is His grace as we come unto Him, as we yoke ourselves up to Him, that we not only find rest for our soul, but that we find the real meaning of our Christian life. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about trying real hard. It's about trusting and resting and the work that Jesus has already done. Trusting and resting and the work that Jesus can do for your heart now. Today, if you have a need, if you have a burden, if you have a sin, come. Find rest for your soul. Let's all stand this morning. As the piano plays in just a moment, even before it plays, this altar's open. If you have a need today, you already know. Come and find that rest that you so desperately need. Fight no more. Labor no more. Have that heavy burden lifted. Yoke yourself up to Christ. Find that freedom, that rest for your soul. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. i grateful for the worship lifted. And Lord, thank you for the burdens lifted. God, may we find rest for our souls in you and you alone. Go with us now. Keep us safe. Use us. Guide us. Direct us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Hymn number 507 Something Beautiful. This, my son, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Luke 15, 24. Something beautiful.
1: Something beautiful. Something, beautiful. Something he made something beautiful of my life. One more time. Something beautiful, something